Hello and welcome into the Daily Blues Podcast on this Friday, December 6th of 2019. Dan Betlock with you. Blues off today. They are back at the practice rink at Centene Ice Center. It's funny, Randy Carricker and I had a conversation about how, well, more than he was telling me about it because I'm not as old as Randy. Humble brag. Just kidding. Sorry, Carricker. But he was talking about how back in the old days and even as much as going back to 2000 covering hockey teams practices where he covered a practice where it was 90 minutes. Now these guys don't even skate for about 40 minutes. So it's kind of crazy how the amount of the lack of practice time that these guys go through during the season because it really is all about the game. So Randy Carricker out of practice today. We'll get you some of the media scrum here uh, in just a minute because Alex Ferrario, our Blues insider, was out there as well. Alex, of course, hosts our pre- and post-game shows for St. Louis Blues Hockey. He was able to grab a little audio today. Let's hear from David Perron. How nice is it to have just a little bit of time here to catch your breath? Here. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like we've... Uh... We've either played a game or been on the road here for the last uh, 30, 35 days or so, and I guess it's just a schedule. I'm sure everything go go through that, so we just roll with it. But, yeah, it's nice to have a couple days in between games for once. Was the game the other night kind of reflective of that, just playing at uh, 6 and 10, 9 out of 16? It just kind of caught up to you a little bit, maybe? Yeah, I mean, maybe you can look at it now, but we don't want to look at that as an excuse, I think. Uh, we had a good first power play. If we find a way to get a goal there, maybe it changes the, the moment, momentum of the game. Uh, they scored the first goal, so they got rolling from there. They played a good game, and uh, they, they got a lot of injuries over there too, so um, they were desperate, and uh, they played a good game. Would it be, uh, just off topic, the All-Star game's coming here. One, how cool would it be, is it going to be for it to be in St. Louis? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I think it's nice for uh, guys to see uh, basically St. Louis how it is. And I obviously with winning last year, I think it's that much more special for the guys uh, on our team that, got, that are going to go too. And uh, I think it's going to be a nice event. I would think you have a chance to be in the, in the All-Star game. Would that be meaningful for you? I'll take the days off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute now. Fans might be wanting to vote for you. No, I mean, I don't know. Like, it'd be uh, extremely cool. It'd be an honor for sure. But it's not something right now that I, I look at. Um, obviously, I've, you're know, not the first guy that mentioned it to me. But uh, I just keep focusing on the work right now. And uh, if it happens, that'd be something really special. Obviously, even more so being in St. Louis and knowing how much I like the city. Obviously, I keep, keep coming back. So uh, hopefully, you never know. So is that the endorsement for you to not vote for you? <laughs> no, no. Again, like, uh, I know we have some uh, really good really good players on this team and uh, there's only so, so many guys that can go so um, yeah I, I don't know I think I, I mentioned it to a few guys already I, I think it'd be a cool uh, thing if they change it to anytime the, the host team have their own team to go against like the other division like you think of uh, maybe eight nine guys on this team that would play and our fans could come to the game and, and basically cheer for us and we'd try to, to beat the best uh, of, of the league basically I think it'd be a cool uh, cool format but obviously obviously it's not that right now so we'll see what happens. Do you like the three-on-three? Three, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's good. It's uh, we've done good this year with that too, I think. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be an honor to go there. But uh, right now, we're we're so far away from that, and we'll see what happens. You get a practice in today. Is there just some benefit to getting on the ice and kind of touching the pucks together and working on some things since you haven't had very many here lately? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good day to work uh, harder than usual. I think we've, like you said, we've had so many games where you, you know you're going to travel or whatever. So I think the, the coaches have uh, done a really good job to, to be smart in that, save our energy at certain times, uh, give us uh, optional skates or whatever. So for some of the guys that played more minutes. And uh, But yeah, it was good to get, get to 
to work today and have a really good practice. And uh, I don't know if there's a morning skate tomorrow or not, but uh, with 6 o'clock game, uh, it was a good day for to get prepared for tomorrow. All things considered, you're, what, 18, 6, and 6. Do you feel like you guys are in, in as good a spot as you can be right now? Yeah, that's... Again, like we just keep rolling. Uh, can we? Would we like to keep getting better? Yeah, uh, it could be worse. Also, like you mentioned, and uh, it's a good thing. It's a good spot to be in where you're. You still have a really good record. You're in the top, uh, whatever five in the league, and you still feel like there's ways to get uh, to get better to improve. And that's why we come every day to come to practice, come to the meetings that we have with our coaches. They keep hammering away at details. We've been saying that over and over to you guys, but that's really what they do. And uh, we know that there's uh, details in our game that can get better. David, do you look this time of year? Do you look at the standings much? Uh, not really, but I think what what Lou just said. Uh, you look at the record; it's whatever eighteen six six. That's cool. Like it's it's nice to see that compared to last year. And yeah, in a way, you can breathe a little bit that way. But doesn't mean that our game, our effort needs to be different. We we have to keep bringing that every night. And uh, you also, if you look at it, not too far away is, uh, is the wild card. So get, uh, teams uh, behind us keep uh, keep winning as well. And for teams like Minnesota, San Jose, Dallas, whatever, they had a bad start to the year, and they're right there with us already. So they keep keep winning games. Uh, you 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 are. Aren't uh, the, having a morning skate, so I, I just want to ask you a quick thing about uh, just Toronto. A lot, a lot of skill there, your coach. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously a challenge for you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think uh, obviously, anytime you get a new coach, you get energized. Just because you hear a different voice, whatever. Um, and uh, I think they, they got Mitch Marner back last game. And um, obviously, Freddie Anderson's a really good goalie. They got some really good offensive players. And I, I, our game doesn't change much from uh, one team to another. It's grinding it down low. They're really deep in the zone, trying to keep pucks alive and frustrate them that way so that they don't have the energy to go back on the offense. And um, if we do that line after line, we have success most nights. And that's why our record shows that right now. And we got to keep doing it. All right, that was the scrum of David Perron's media session today. What about uh, Braden Shen? He talked to the media as well. Well, he got a nice little fight the other day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good to get one every, every now and then. How'd it go when you and him would tussle as kids? Uh, was he, is he your older brother or younger? He's older. Yeah, he's, he's older, a, so yeah. would he win the early fights uh, back home? Uh, yeah, he's a lefty too, and he's bigger than me, so <laughs> I don't try and go there too often or ever. <laughs> so nice to get uh, just a little chance to catch your breath a little bit before the next question game. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is a chance where we got uh, two days uh, before a game, uh, two days, you know, after the Toronto game to, you know, kind of get a little break in schedule, but we're looking forward to, uh, you know, playing the Leafs. Obviously, they uh, have a lot of... Highly skilled guys. Um, you know, I've been playing better uh, ever since coaching change, and it's going to be a good test for us. It seems like you've been on the road forever. Or you get that sense as a player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've. I guess. Yeah, we, I don't know how many road games we played this year, but I think the, the days in between games and stuff like that on the road obviously make the road trips a little bit longer. But um, you know, we're playing good hockey on the road, so uh, you know, as long as we're winning hockey games, it, it doesn't really matter where we are. Not only that, but I mean the extracurricular activities you guys have done, going to the White House, and just, does it just make it seem like it's kind of been strown out a little more? Being on the road, and just nice to kind of get those back are, here. Those are good problems to have uh, when you're when you're going to the White House and uh, and doing that type of thing. But um, you know, I think uh, when we were in Alberta, there we had a couple of days off between the, the games or, or that trip, and um, you know we've had some long road trips, but uh, you know uh, eventually we'll catch up and we're going to get our home games, we're going to get our long home stands, and and uh, I guess. That's what happens when you play in the West. You get the little bit longer uh, road trips and, and the way the scheduling works, but um, every team goes through it. Was the game the other night just more of 
it was our ninth and 16 days. There was some weird, some tired legs out there making maybe some tired uh, mistakes. Or? I think it was a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I, I think uh, we didn't have the energy, we didn't have the emotion or, or the, the commitment to, to play the right way. And, uh, you know, we, we got down one early and, and weren't able to, to find one to, you know, give us some, some confidence or not confidence, but uh, some, some energy or life in the game. And, and uh, we were chasing the game the whole night. Is it nice to have a practice you guys haven't had other than like a morning skate a full-fledged practice yeah yeah i think um you know morning skates are guys are just trying to get moving and and grow through uh their game day routine and, and practice gives you a chance to work on a few things that maybe uh you got to touch up on and and uh you know get a little bit more battling and stuff like that going on in practice and and uh it's good to practice uh, every now and then and, and uh, uh you know obviously games are uh, a lot better and, and guys some guys don't like practicing at all but uh, as a team i think it's important to practice are you a gamer or you guys obviously you'd rather be in the game yeah no doubt about it yeah um you know i, I just think uh, the way the the scheduling is and and uh we're always tra- seems to be traveling a time zone and and uh, uh we have long flights and and uh you know i think you got to get your your rest and energy uh, while well, you can obviously played a lot of hockey last year um we've played uh we have game or teams have games in hand on us this year so we've played a lot more than than uh, other teams so far this year so we've played a lot and I think it's important to, to get your rest uh, when you can. Blues off tonight welcome in the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow Blues have played a lot of games against the Eastern Conference so they'll wrap up their season series with the Maple Leafs tomorrow night at Enterprise Center early start 6 p.m. puck drop Joey Vitale was on with the Bernie Nicholas show to talk everything about what's going on with the Blues right now and a little preview of tomorrow night's game. Here is Joey with Bernie from today. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in town. Just a glorious franchise. Hasn't won a Stanley Cup in a long time. They fired the coach. Mike Babcock took some people by surprise. We'll have that game, by the way, tomorrow night starting with a 5 o'clock pregame. It's at Enterprise Center, Blues hosting Toronto. Were you surprised when they fired Babcock? You know, Bernie, I, I was and I wasn't. I mean, you know, I think the biggest thing for people who were surprised by it, we looked at it like, well, he has this huge contract that Toronto still owes him. But, you know, the issue there is Mike Babcock's going to find a job uh, really quickly if he chooses to. And, and he's a worker. He's not a coach who likes to sit around and do nothing. So, you know, I think they owed him like $7 million, some crazy number that the Toronto Maple Leafs owed him. So he will find work right away. I'm sure the day he got fired. His phone was blown up from at least 25 teams around the league looking to have him contribute to some degree. So it really wasn't a money thing. I, I think it was a good call by Toronto, and I can see the, the, the firing coming because, as we've seen, you look at the timing of Mike Gill last year, but he got fired right around mid-November, kind of around Thanksgiving, the same, the same timeline for Mike Babcock because if you look at the stats, and I don't have them in front of me right now, but – uh, if, if you're not in the playoffs after Thanksgiving, before December 1, uh, there's only a couple exceptions every year of a team that's not in by December 1 that makes it. The Blues were that exception last year, but I think it's like 85 or 86% of the teams that are in the playoffs by December 1 will make those playoffs. So you can see the value in the timing of Mike Babcock firing, uh, Mike Yo firing last year. If the GMs are going to fire their coach, it's got to happen around this November time because if you wait too long, maybe December, January, early February, you know, by then it's too late. So I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs, I could see it coming if it was going to come at the right time in November. And, you know, this is a team 
that, you know, for better or for worse, I, you know, I know that this new coach is having a little bit of success, but, you know, this is a team that is built around some star power. They have four players making $40 million, and then from there it's a huge drop-off. And, you know, this is the way they decided to build this team when they signed the Nylander and then the Austin Matthews, and they had to follow that up with the Mitch Marner contract. So everyone wants a little bit more to me. It is not a way to build a team, and I think this is why they haven't had a lot of success. They have some really high-end talent, and then because of that huge gap, this is why um, they're not winning a lot of games because as soon as you shut down a couple of their star players, then there's really nothing nothing left. Now flip it over to the Blues. The Blues did quite the opposite. Doug Armstrong has built this team, and he's even said it. He's not going to go after a lot of elite players, but he's going to have a lot of really good players. You look at all the contracts he has, they're kind of floating between that 4 and $6 million range. And I think that that's how he's built this team. And when you do it that way, you have lots of depth and you can roll lines and then you can, you can absorb when the team's running into injuries like we've seen with the Blues this year. Joey Vitale with us. By the way, please follow him on Instagram at Joey Broadcaster, at Joey Broadcaster. Okay, I want to ask you, speaking of that depth, uh, he's played in a handful of games, four or five. Joey, uh, we're talking about Troy Brower. What are your impressions so far? I like Troy a lot. I thought it was a good signing. I thought when they brought him in here, that I can see, I told some people that I can see Doug signing him because Doug is is big, and I think he, he's he's correct when he he thinks this way. I think he's big in having veteran leadership. I think again, why you brought him in is because you looked at all the best teams in the league. They're built around veterans. They're built around players that have been doing it for a long time. The Boston Bruins, the Washington Capitals. I mean, teams that revolve around the Oshies and the Ovechkins and the Backstroms. And then you go to Boston, the Charles, the Bergerons, the Marchands. I mean, all these teams have a core of veterans that know how to play the game the right way. If you have too many young guys, if you have too many inexperienced guys, to me, you can't develop that culture and that consistent, systematic play that Craig Ruby wants night in and night out. And you look at the teams that have tried to do a lot of the young guys the Edmonton Oilers, the New Jersey Devils, um, the Vancouver Canucks for a while. Um, they were those teams that just tried to get a lot of youth, a lot of speed, a lot of run and gun, but it just was not working. Even the Vancouver Canucks, for example, who, who I just labeled as a team that thrived from the younger players, are thinking that that was going to be the way to win games. They go out this past offseason in the summertime, and they signed some big veterans um, to that team, J.T. Miller being one of the biggest ones because, you know, Travis Green and the coaching staff and the GMs in Vancouver, they wanted to make sure that they go out and they get better over the summer, and they did that by getting more veterans. So bringing maybe a couple slower guys to the group, but guys that have been around the league and know how to make those in-game decisions very quickly. Troy Brower, I joked with them the other day, I said, if I had a nickel for every time I saw you cross the red line and chip it in, I'd be a millionaire by the end of the year, would I not? And he laughed and said, yeah, that's just what i got to do. And, and he's been doing that, just crossing the red line, chipping in. It looks boring, but, but it's methodical, but there is purpose behind it. You know, I had a coach once tell us that you always want to make the D-turn, make the D-turn. That was a term he used all year long. And what he means by that is Troy Brower will come over the red line, you will just chip a puck in, and it looks simple. But after a while, after 20 minutes, 30 minutes, the defensemen, the opponents, Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow, they get exhausted. They get tired of turning around and going to get pucks, and they got to hustle back, and they're going to get hit. And after a while, they kind of give up on that, and that's why you see Blues and what they did last year uh, towards the end of the year especially. Um, they play that way so long, and by that third period, the Deeds kind of get in. They give up. Look at the San Jose Sharks last year. I mean, they were worn out. The Boston Bruins worn out. 
because it's those in-game decisions just to make the mature, responsible, simple, uh, boring play of just chipping in, moving forward, being physical, and getting to the net. So I love Troy Brower for that. I think he really brings that to the team. Uh, he brings the leadership. I think we still have a lot of young guys that are still trying to learn their way through this league, how to take care of their bodies, how to prepare for a game, what to do on the off days. I mean, he's organizing some lunches and dinners for some guys on the road, I'm sure. So it's, it was a great signing. I think it's been great so far. Of course, he's still got the goose eggs for the goal, but um, he's looking forward to contributing more on the offense, I know. But from a penalty kill standpoint, a physicality standpoint, and then that in-locker room maturity that he's bringing for a lot of these young guys, to me, it's all been two thumbs up. I've had similar impressions of Troy Brower so far. Been very impressed with this game. I think his uh, his skating is, is right there, and um, yeah, I, I've liked Troy Brower so far. Now, whether or not there's going to be a spot for him when guys get healthy, that remains to be seen. But I think just having him around, having that presence, and I mentioned this maybe in one of my earlier podcasts, but just going out when he was on his PTO, going out to practice, just seeing the joy and the fun he had, it reminded me of a lot of Pat Maroon. I remember one time he went in, skated in on Bennington. Bennington made the save. Um, he turned around and like just basically put his butt in Bennington's face and was laughing and skating off and then coming over and high-fiving teammates. And He just seemed much more involved than Jamie McGinn, that's for sure, and was having much more fun, was more interactive, and I think that's what this Blues team needs. Someone that does keep it light, who's been through it before, knows the grinds, and I think Troy Brower's doing a good job of that. But again, it remains to be seen if he still has a job once the Blues get healthy again. Let's get to a Clarkson Jewelers player profile. Let's take a look at Jordan Bennington. It's time to get to know your blues with a Clarkson Jewelers Blues Player Profile. Clarkson Jewelers is an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Another aspect from Saturday night's game was the goaltending. And really, this season overall, it has been fantastic. Jordan Bennington off to an incredible start in his first full year in between the pipes for the St. Louis Blues. Long shot, blocked down, loose puck, backhanded to the goal. Saved by a sprawl Bennington. So Bennington stopped 39 of 42 shots in that loss against the Predators on Saturday. His record right now stands at 11-4-4 with a 2.23 goals against average and a 92 save percentage in 19 games played. Play to get it to Johnson. He shoots it. A save made by Bennington. He's allowed only 16 goals over his last nine games. Very impressive numbers for a guy who knows he has to bring it every single night. In the NHL, it's really nonstop and you're expected to be at your best all the time and you know, it's the best league in the world for a reason, so you have to be at your, your elite level and you have to be able to compete every night and be there for your teammates. He's bringing ahead, breakaway Goudreau, shooting it, and it's saved by the glove of Bennington. That kind of consistency makes him one of the strongest goalies in the entire National Hockey League. With so much pressure on the ice, how does Jordan Bennington escape the burdens of NHL goaltending? I have my ways of, of getting away, for sure. You know, just take your mind off it, throw on some TV, hang out, uh, you know, FaceTime a buddy or just hang out with, with the boys. And uh, I'm pretty easy going, you know, stuff's going to happen. It's not always going to be perfect and you just move on. You know, if I just don't want to think about it, I'll just throw on some Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And just to paint this picture a little bit more for Jordan Bennington, since October 21st, the team is 11-3-2. 
He has a 1.81 goals against average and a 93 save percentage, which is all best in the National Hockey League. And on Thursday night, he earned the shutout against the Calgary Flames, which makes him the sixth Blues goaltender to earn a shutout and stop 40 or more shots. He joins Jake Allen, Ty Conklin, Carter Hutton, Chris Mason, and Jacques Plante. Played over to the far side. Myers off the inboards. Bennington side of the net blocks it. Beagle took a piece of it. The puck knocked away by Bennington. He's jammed into the net. And then Bennington holding on to the stick of... Brock Besser, that's going to slow down a Vancouver rush. And that's your Clarkson Jeweler player profile. Pennington off to another fantastic start this season for the St. Louis Blues, locking it down in, in the cage. Goaltending has been a huge part of the Blues' success so far early on uh, through the first quarter of this season. All right, you can catch the Behind the Bench Coaches Show with John Kelly and Craig Berube right here on 101 ESPN, mainly on Thursdays. It airs on Friday tonight. But J.K. had a chance to sit down with head equipment manager Kyle Farnsworth, which is always fun to get some stories and get a behind-the-scenes look at what these guys do for the players. So here's J.K. with Joel Farnsworth of the St. Louis Blues. Our guest here in the final segment is the head equipment manager of the St. Louis Blues, Joel Farnsworth. He has been the head equipment manager for three years and been with the club for 10 years overall. And uh, like everybody else, I'm sure you're still basking in the glow of a Stanley Cup, Joel. Absolutely. It's uh, been an incredible run. Uh, Just getting to the finals last year was a really neat experience in and of itself. And then winning, it's obviously uh, what everybody puts in all the time and the effort for. And it's pretty fun going into cities and seeing our counterparts in different cities and guys you haven't seen since last season walking up, giving you the pat on the back, the congratulations. Uh, I'm sure you have the same experience with other broadcasters as well, John. It's it, it's neat. It's uh, We're a pretty tight-knit fraternity, all of us who are lucky enough to work in the NHL. and we all have the same jobs to do whether you're winning the Stanley Cup or finishing in last place we all have the same jobs to do on a day-to-day basis and everyone knows how hard it is and how many hours we all put in and it's neat to see a little recognition a little pat on the back from your peers and uh, know that they appreciate how hard you worked and it's really neat to just the entire experience has been incredible yeah no question we know how hard you guys work in the equipment uh, department uh the team gets into a city at two in the morning and you guys got to go to the rink and set the room up and things like that but joel tell us a little bit about your story because i think every equipment guy or trainer or player or broadcaster or coach they have a story about how they got to the nhl what is your story and i know you've been with the blues for 10 years yeah yeah getting to the nhl uh Started by spending seven years in the American League uh, with the Blues. I I was in Peoria, Illinois with the Rivermen for four years. I was in Worcester uh, with the Worcester Ice Cats for three years before that. I was with the Rangers organization for a year before that with the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, I did seven years of college hockey as well um, at the University of Vermont, both as a student and as a full-time equipment guy. I was really fortunate. My first day, my freshman year of college, my neighbor in the dorms was a hockey player on the team, and I was a hockey fan. I grew up being a fan and being from rural northern Vermont. There's not a whole lot else to do in the winter besides cheer on our uh, local hockey team. So uh, I was a fan growing up, and I was fortunate enough to become really good friends with my neighbor, uh, who eventually became captain of the team. He got me involved working with the team. 
which led to work in some training camps for the New York Rangers, and one thing led to another. And would that be 23 years later? Here we sit. So uh, it's been a really amazing ride. I, I never did I think I'd end up working in the NHL, particularly as an equipment guy. As a kid, it wasn't necessarily my dream. But once I got involved in working day-to-day, -day, working hockey, I realized it was where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And thankfully, you work hard enough, you put in the time, you ride the buses, and you uh, get rewarded by getting promoted to the NHL. And I, I spent seven years as an assistant working with Burt Godin. Um, I learned a lot working with him. and. You know, three years ago, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to be the head guy here in St. Louis, and we were fortunate enough last June to win. So it's been a it's been a really interesting, long, winding road, but it's uh, it's pretty rewarding. Joel, do you remember the, the the call you got telling you that you're coming to the NHL the first time, and and your your thoughts in your first game? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, the first time I worked some games in the NHL, uh, Bert's mom had passed away. Uh, and I, we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan, getting ready to play. So I got a unique experience as a staff guy. Typically, we kind of get promoted at the end of the year, or there's changes that take place in the organization. I was fortunate enough to get called up in season. We were in Grand Rapids playing, starting a nine-game, 12-day road trip in the American League. And Larry Plo was the GM at the time. He called me and said, uh, Bert's had a death in his family. Uh, one of the other guys at the time was injured and was unable to travel. And he said, uh, you're coming up. So uh, Richie Jankowski's going to be calling in a few minutes with a flight for you to get you from Grand Rapids to Peoria. Grab your truck. We got a game tonight. I said, okay. And away I went. It was a whirlwind, <laughs> whirlwind trip for sure. Um, got to work six or seven games that year before I went back down to Peoria to finish the year. And then... The next season, they decided to make some changes and brought uh, myself and Mike Hannigan, who was our athletic trainer down in Peoria. We both got promoted at the same time that year in 2009. And I remember I was driving to pick up my wife, actually. Uh, we are going to go to lunch and got the phone call. As I pulled in the parking lot of where she worked to uh, pick her up, I got the phone call from Larry. And kind of weird time of year to be getting a phone call from Larry. And I was like... I better answer this and answered it and he said hey congratulations you're uh, you're moving up to st louis we uh you know development camps july 1st and we need you here by then so it's pretty exciting it was a whirlwind for sure at the time my wife was pregnant and we were getting ready to have our first child and it was a, it's a pretty neat experience but uh it, yeah the phone call is a pretty memorable thing i've been a part of a few of them for players pretty neat getting it yourself yeah i'm sure again we're talking with joel farnsworth the head equipment manager of the st louis blues now in his 10th year with the hockey club and joel i think a lot of fans might be curious you know they come to the games or they watch on tv and they see the players with the equipment just generally what is it what does it cost to outfit a, a player for a game Ooh, per game, uh, well, let's see, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about $4,000 worth of gear head to toe for a player. Um, pretty much is kind of a, most of that's reusable for multiple games. Uh, sticks, obviously, uh, we go through a lot of sticks. Uh, most guys use a new stick every game. Some guys use two or three. Um, and goalies are 
goalies are about eight thousand dollars outfit um so when you see a guy with all brand new gear and a new mask for a special game or we wear a special jersey something like that it's about eight thousand dollars to get him all geared up for that head to toe but it, to make everybody look good and uh fit the look that we're looking for like the retro jerseys that we wore a couple weeks ago um you know it really meant a lot to Benner to have a little tribute to Cujo and and I think the fans really liked the way it all looked it came came together great and you know it's certainly well worth uh the expense just to make everybody look the way they're supposed to look and make it make it look like the NHL we're supposed to be the best league in the world we are the best league and it's cool to be able to make them look the part as well absolutely so Joel a typical player not counting a goalie because they're not typical as we know I work with one on Fox as you know yes Um, but you know how many sticks would he go through in a year and how many say pairs of skates uh, typical player is going to go through about six pairs of skates. Um, we got a few guys that might go through 10 or 12. Um, but typically six pairs is a pretty safe number. Um, and then about a stick a game. So most guys are about 80 to 100 sticks per season. Um, and it, it all adds up. There's no doubt about that. And keeping it straight and keeping inventories and that kind of stuff is a major part of the day-to-day for us. But... It's pretty rewarding when a guy goes out and scores a goal or how we get a big team win. And you know you're a little piece of that, but it's it's neat to be able to support the boys and get them out there and get them what they're looking for and keep keep them happy with all their pieces that they want to use. So, Joel, I know you spend a lot of hours at the rink. Um, on airplanes like we all do on buses. What is the best part of your job and what is the most challenging part of your job as head equipment manager? The the best part, no question about it, is the feeling of winning. Whether it's a regular season win in October that everybody's just kind of ho-hum about or winning a game in June, it's there's no replacing that feeling the the there's there's a group of 50 of us or so as you said that travel together we eat together we pretty much live together we're together more than our we're with our families for six or seven months out of the year and the bond and the that we all form and being victorious together is such an incredible feeling so undoubtedly the best part of the job is the victory the smile on everybody's face and the the feeling of satisfaction of a job well done for the entire group uh the most challenging part for sure it's changed over the years the the hours are a challenge for sure and we we all work a lot of hours and spend a lot of hours away from home but uh the manufacturers have made the job more challenging for sure just as most everything that we deal with day to day in life has changed uh, most things are made overseas now amazingly enough um, 10 years ago you would have never worried about the Chinese New Year coming into effect for the National Hockey League schedule but now we have to order things and stay on top of inventory because of different holidays and shipping delays and those kinds of things worldwide it's uh so maintaining inventory and maintaining product that the players want to use is without question the most challenging part because guys are guys are very particular. It, it, the, the most common comparison that you have is a carpenter and his hammer, right? It, 
it's their tool and they know what they want their hammer to feel like in their hand well their their skates and their sticks are an extension of them and they're their tools and they need to be exactly what they want and getting those pieces in their hands the way they want them is definitely a challenge some days and because of the international shipping and the delays and the time zones there, there are a lot of a lot of issues with maintaining inventory with the manufacturers that's probably the single biggest headache of the job but when you get the right thing in the guy's hands and he's happy and he scores a big goal and it's pretty rewarding not just for me but for our entire staff and the entire team obviously benefits from us getting our job done in an appropriate time frame so but it's definitely a challenge and the, the more things that go overseas for production the more difficult that job becomes and it, it, there's a definite delay getting things you know it used to be get a pair of gloves in a day and that's just not the way of the world anymore and it, it's okay you just have to plan ahead accordingly you can catch behind the bench presented by boardwalk hardwood floors on tonight at Friday at 6 o'clock after the fast lane on 101 ESPN. That's going to wrap it up for today's Daily Blues podcast. Don't forget the Blues are on the air tomorrow. 5 o'clock pregame show, 6 o'clock puck drop on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario has you for the pregame shows. Curbs and Joey will take you through the call for Blues and Maple Leafs tomorrow night. Remember, folks, what I always say, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Betlock signing off.